What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Tuesday, June 22nd. The Lions are on the docket for today. Our fantasy football preview series rolls on a very interesting team, but uh, Anthony Lynn could be complicating things. Before I dive into that, please review the podcast on Apple, iTunes, whatever the heck it's called these days, and uh, rate the show as well. And in your review, leave your Twitter handle and you'll be entered in to win a Rant t-shirt, which of course, if you want to buy one, you can also buy that over at sawdustpods.com. But uh, yeah, we'll do that little contest there and we'll name a winner here in July. So there's plenty of time to get it in, but the earlier the better. So uh, hook it up. Even if you don't listen on Apple, review it on Apple and that will help me out. And then hopefully I can then help you out. All right, so let's dive into it. A new regime is in place. This is a team in transition for sure. And it may take some time, and maybe this is a team that will continue to be in transition. Who knows? Uh, (laughs) This is an interesting regime. Dan Campbell is the exact opposite of Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, a disciplinary and defensive-minded coach. And now we have a player's coach who is much more offensive-minded. Of course, as I mentioned, though, Campbell bringing in Anthony Lynn, and I really don't want to bury the lead here. And On some of these podcasts I've talked about, quarterback first, etc. But really, we do need to talk about this backfield first and foremost. And initially, it seemed like the stars were aligning for DeAndre Swift in this backfield. You know, you had a head coach coming from New Orleans, you know, the Lions organization sort of raiding the cupboard of the Saints. And seemingly that would set up very well for Swift, who does have a lot of similarities with Alvin Kamara. But Anthony Lynn comes in and has slightly different plans, raised a bunch of eyebrows in the fantasy football world when he called Jamal Williams his prototype A-back, who for him, and that A-back is a back who has a big role in early downs, whereas he viewed Swift as obviously a good pass catcher, but more of a satellite back. And that, of course, is a back who's good in space. Yikes. He, I don't think he called him a satellite back, but that's basically what he meant. So that throws a big wrench into the system because honestly, there was a point where we were viewing DeAndre Swift as a back end RB1. That wasn't too long ago. Now, given these words, now granted, what a coach says and what a coach does, often two different things, but kind of have to take him at his word for this one, at least for now. So we can't overvalue DeAndre Swift. Right now, projecting out this backfield, 180 carries for Williams, 150 for Swift, 60 catches for Swift, so being more than fair there, 37 for Williams. Uh, Right now, thanks to the volume in the passing game especially, Swift is a top 20 running back, but only barely. I have him at 19. Jamal Williams, I have at 31. There's no appeal for me for Jamal Williams. With Jamal Williams, he's going to be... um, a lower ceiling option. Let's call him that. Not much appeal. Not much appeal. DeAndre Swift does have a high ceiling, but the unfortunate thing, with only 150 carries, that weekly floor is not there. And what happens with these types of running backs, like 60 catches is a freaking lot. That's a good number right there. And that means some nice upside, but the problem is week in and week out, it becomes a roller coaster. If there are weeks where this team is winning, and I use if, 
There are weeks where this team's winning, though. He's not going to have a ton of catches. Two or three catches, eight, nine carries, whatever it is. And that's a bad fantasy week. There are weeks where they may play from behind and he has seven, eight catches for 70, 80 yards and a touchdown, and he's an RB1. So it could be a roller coaster ride with Swift this season. Just be prepared for that. Of course, uh, and they do have Jamar Jefferson as their number three. Not the best athlete, but a good football player and some good depth for them. Uh, right now, and of course, Carryon Johnson's out of the mix. Jared Goff is their quarterback, and nothing's going to change there. He's their guy. Dan Campbell loves him. He throws a great ball. But I think we know what Jared Goff is for fantasy purposes, and he's not in the L.A. system any longer, the Sean McVay system. Now, Goff can easily go up over 4,000 yards. He could top 20 touchdown passes, but he's a throwback quarterback in that he doesn't run. He's not going to put up three, 400 yards with his legs. So that's a big drawback to him, plus the fact that he doesn't really have anybody to throw the football to on this offense. I mean, this wide receiver group, you're talking about last year's starters are all gone. All three of them. Marvin Jones, gone. Kenny Galladay, gone. Danny Amendola, gone. They don't have much at wide receiver. Now, you have Hawkinson, and I'll talk about him in a minute. But there really isn't a ton to love here for with Jared Goff. And I will say, you know, people can't keep asking me about two quarterback and super flex strategy. Well, my approach in that type of format is to grab two high floor. They don't have to necessarily both be QB2s, you know, outside of the top 12, maybe back end of the, the top 12. But either way, high floor, not necessarily high ceiling, guys, because I'm going to get them cheaper. And that's the name of the game, not having to spend a first or a second round pick or even a third round pick at quarterback. Jared Goff is outside of that group. You know, I want two guys who are maybe outside of the top 10, but not outside of the top 20. Jared Goff's outside of the top 20 for me right now, projecting out at quarterback 24. As far as drafting him as a third quarterback is concerned, I don't really love that idea either because with the third quarterback, I want juice. I want a high ceiling. I want a guy who has that home run potential, obviously is volatile. Obviously, you're drafting him later on because of that, but you do have the the chance to score big. I don't see that with Jared Goff. So he's not a guy who I'm going to be targeting really in any format this year. Uh, there's just nothing there, uh, unfortunately, with Jared Goff. Now, I mentioned the wide receivers. It's an interesting group. So let's do this. Let's take a break, and then we will talk about the Detroit Lions wideouts. All right. So as I mentioned, last year we had Marvin Jones, well, Kenny Galladay when he was healthy, which wasn't often, and Danny Amendola as your starting trio of wideouts. Right now, your starting trio of wideouts is going to be some combination of Brashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Quintez Cephas. And I think, you know, I'm leaning towards the top three, of course, but I think we can't really rule out Quintez Cephas as well. So that's a bit of a a mess. It's not very sexy. In fact, I don't have any of them projecting out as top 50 guys uh, right now in terms of my current numbers. Believe it or not, Amon Ross St. Brown projects out the highest. I do have him as the number two target in the offense. Hawkinson's the number one. I'll talk about him in a minute. 
61 catches, 706, and four touchdowns for St. Brown. That's not a big year. That's not a viable fantasy year. Now, I like him in the long term. Maybe this is good for Jared Goff. Maybe this works out in the long term, regardless of whether or not it works out for the quarterback. I do think St. Brown has the skill set, obviously has the athleticism, given his family background, but the skill set to really be a good pro, like a quality pro. Quality pros aren't elite fantasy options, but they are top 36 fantasy options at various points, maybe even top 24. I think he could he can round into that. So I like him in Dynasty. This year, though, the numbers don't pop, and part of it is they're spreading. I, I have the target spread around, and I don't have them, you know, as the most efficient offense. But I have 92 targets going to Brown, 80 going to Perryman, Tyrell Williams with 70, Cephas with 48. After that, uh, you know, Geronimo Allison is on this offense. Uh, they just signed Chad Hansen. Not much there. So if I was going to draft any of them, it would be St. Brown in a redraft league, but I'm not even going there. And I think that people, you know, they see these guys going really late, like Perryman and Williams, and they want to talk themselves into some sort of upside with these guys. I get it, but I mean, I'd rather I'd rather look for upside elsewhere, to be honest with you. And Tyrell Williams, let's not overvalue 2016. That was the only time he had a good year in the NFL. 2016, 69 catches, nice, for 1,059 yards and seven touchdowns. Since then, 43 catches in 15 games played, or 15 games started, 16 games played. 10 starts, 16 games played in 2018, I have 41 catches. And then in 14 games played with 12 starts, he had 42 catches in 2019. Obviously, we didn't see him last year. So there's nothing there. There's really nothing there. As of right now, I'd be really surprised if any of these guys are top 50 options. And while that does not sound good, here's what's amazing. The number one target in this offense is going to be TJ Hawkinson. And there is a very real chance that TJ Hawkinson is well up over triple-digit targets, is among the leaders in the league in targets at tight end. And oh, by the way, he already got the breakout season out of the way. Year one, week one awesome. The rest of year one, not so awesome. But then year two, the breakout happened. It was massive for a tight end. I guess I have to say that. It was massive for a tight end. The numbers were really good last year for TJ Hawkinson. I know we have these expectations of video game-like numbers, thanks to Mr. Kelsey and maybe Mr. Waller, especially after last year. But generally speaking, Tight ends don't put up these enormous numbers. Most tight ends do not do that. So when you look at what Hawkinson was able to do, I mean, it really pops. Last year, he puts up uh, 67 catches. This year, I have him projected for 10 more, 77. Uh, He puts up 723. I have met 803. Now, he did score six touchdowns. I have him with five. I don't know how efficient Jared Goff's going to be. Like, Remember, it is a step down in terms of quarterback from Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff. But still, he was the number five fantasy tight end. He was barely, too. He just was barely outscored by Logan Thomas and Robert Tunyon. Robert Tunyon had 1.3 more points than him. Logan Thomas had 0.2 more than him. Now, of course, those guys were over 100 points in PPR behind Darren Waller. And... 130-some points behind Travis Kelsey. 
So there was a big gap there. But the key is that you have the big three this year. You have Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, and of course Kittle. Right after that, do you want anybody other than TJ Hawkinson? Maybe Kyle Pitts, but I think Kyle Pitts might get a little overdrafted. Some people might say Mark Andrews. That's fine with me. If TJ Hawkinson is the darn sixth tight end off the board, sign me up for that every stinking time. I love that. TJ Hawkinson is going to eat. Like, I'm talking, this dude's going to be at a buffet this year, and he's going to fast for like 36 hours before that bad boy. He's going to he's gonna have like 10 plates of crab legs alone this year. He's going to eat like crazy. And the nice thing, too, is there's nobody else here. You have like Darren Fells. Are we, you know, we're not that concerned about that. And Darren Fells is getting up there in age. Hawkinson is going to be the number one target on a team that has basically no wide receivers. And a quarterback who's okay can get him the ball. Quarterback who does not push the ball downfield, by the way, who does work to the intermediate and short areas of the field, which is where Hawkinson is going to be targeted. I mean, this sets up really well. 77 catches, 803, five touchdowns, number four fantasy tight end in projections. I've been back and forth between him and Pitts at four, but right now I do have Hawkinson there. Now, I'm not going to force the issue and overpay on Hawkinson, but if I can get him at market value this year, which really, I mean, hey, fifth or sixth round feels about right for Hawkinson, then I'm not going to hesitate because this dude is going to eat. All right, that does it for the Detroit Lions. Of course, next on the list, well, we got we got to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers and his country club membership. So that'll be the Green Bay Packers coming up next. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. Use the hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. Sawdustpods.com for all that merch, baby. All right, I will catch you tomorrow for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.